1: Not only do you upgrade to FAIR, you're also joining a reliable network you can trust to have your back. No hidden requirements, no activation fees. Now that's FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com.
2: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You may know me as the Jungle Cat, but in my spare time, I'm just a reporter and you're listening to Recode Deco, the podcast about power, change, and the people you need to know. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, against my best instincts oh, in no. the red chair, no. again, is oh, no. more Scott Galloway, <laughs> yeah, whom I spend right. way too much time with. Uh-huh. My pivot co-host and a professor of marketing uh-huh. at the New York University Stern School of Business. He's here crashing Rico Deco today because he has a new show on Vice TV called No Mercy, No Malice with Professor Scott Galloway. That's right.
3: Go on. Scott. Go on. Welcome yep. to
2: Rico Duque, which, of course, your original Rico Deco was what made it you. It started this started horrible reign of terror Do that you, you unleashed. But well, I upon.
3: just want to remind you, you don't remember because you have all these important people. Somehow yeah, I, I got know. on your show and they called me back and they said, we got a lot of downloads, and we think it's a mistake. So we'd like to have you on a second time. Yes, That's we did. That's what launched it all. <laughs> I'm basically Doctor Phil coming back to you Oprah are, minus you're the credentials. You Doctor Phil and
2: Doctor Oz together That's right. in That's one right. squashedy mess. Which you with give no out.
3: credentials? Yeah, with you credentials. give up better.
2: Advi- you would give up better health advice than either of them. But here's the deal: I like you medicine. did great I like on Dr. that Ross. show, and I. Thank the you. reason you got on that show is because I saw you at DLD, where we have to go That's next right. year, I think, and do something. Yeah.
3: And you Naka were baby. so
2: funny, and that whole program does not Come make on. me laugh. They do yeah. not make me laugh. The Germans. the Germans. There was a lot of dance, eater dance, and I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And I'm just saying, you showed and some leg there. History. You and you gave the great Amazon prediction. So we're going to talk about Amazon today. We're going to talk okay. about a lot of things. But first, explain this te- this linear ad-supported television show on a station I don't know where it airs. Uh, it's yeah. on HBO. Is do you even it know what on- Vice
3: is? I still I do. don't know. Advices. I knew. I
2: knew uh, what you to call it. Really, with the founder. What's yeah. his name? Oh, now I've forgotten. He's gone.
3: Shane Smith. Shane. No, I knew hour. Shane yeah. and I
2: had a weird flirtation. It was very strange. Really? Yes, I had Isn't a weird that redundant? attraction. <laughs> no, we had a weird attraction for each other even though I knew that a lot of what he was doing was appalling and yeah. I know Nancy Dubuque very well. And so, I know I've been to the headquarters, I've typed in my son there, he likes fuck that's delicious, all yeah. kinds of things. So explain to me how you got here and we're going to talk about media today, how you ended up doing a TV show without me which is not going to last but then you'll do one with me and it'll we, be a huge we, hit.
3: We should probably call the show when Netflix doesn't call you back. Okay, uh, that's
2: what you that's what you have said. Yeah, no, look. So, it,
3: it, it, it is the oldest trick in the book. This guy, right. Morgan, the head of content or vice, showed yeah. up, took me to lunch and said, you're a genius. We want to do a TV show. We're ready start next week. Oh, that start always next works week. with you. Oh, no, totally. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you're sold. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib. And... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Look, and it clearly care, let's be honest. Ad-supported uh-huh. linear television is the future.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So what, 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 what made you do it? Think about it. Like, why did you want to do TV? Here you are at the professor. You are doing really well podcast, which you suddenly realize is a thing right, after I explain right. it to you, right. that it's a thing. What caused you to do this?
3: Ego. I think I really? want to maintain relevance and some vapid illusion of youth and this notion that I'm an impressive person and that I'll have random sexual encounters with strangers and my kids mm-hmm. will be stronger, smarter, and faster because of my instinctual and DNA superiority as evidenced by being on Vice on channel 1185.
2: <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know. Why it? do we do any Why of this shit? look around? What, talk what? to me about the, you talk so oh, intelligently. Why are you
3: going to the New York Times for a Oh, podcast? come on. That
2: is like a, like a slam dunk. You want to be
3: bigger on. and badder. Okay, you, so
2: explain to me Talk to me about where you see media right now, because you were dubious about the podcast thing, and it's turned out rather well for you. Yeah. Talk to me about what you think is going on in media, in television, and explain what this show is going to do. It's named after a uh, thing that you've done for years, this No Mercy Moment <sighs> A else. thing explain. that I've
3: done for years. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for investing a video. in the relationship. <laughs>
2: a video You're really going
3: out on a limb there. A You're, thing I've done for video. years.
2: You video. I watch them. I watch okay. them when okay. I'm bathing Thanks. and stuff Thanks. like that. Anyway, what talk about uh, how you got from the video series you did to this. Yeah,
3: so I did a series called Winners and Losers. I started coming to l 2, and mm-hmm. Winners and Losers was something we did every week. Uh, just this genius, my creative director, Catherine Dillon, said, we have some animators, we have some illustrators. Let's yeah, tackle a lot the of biggest, animation. Let's tackle yeah. the biggest kind of announcements or news of the week and categorize them as winners and losers and talk about it in a crisp way. And the idea was to create top-of-the-funnel awareness that we would ultimately drive down to corporate or B2B engagements where we benchmark their digital competence, blah, blah, blah. We are purchased by Gartner about three days or 72 hours after being purchased by Gartner. I started getting all sorts of like serious, serious jerks on my chain that, no, don't call Sheryl Sandberg a liar and can you stop using the F-bomb? And pretty soon it was pretty obvious. You don't like
2: that business, no.
3: It just wasn't congruent. it just wasn't no. and I get it. they have a lot more to lose. They, yeah. I, I don't blame them for basically shutting it down, but yeah. winners and losers got shut down. Uh, but the itch was always there and um, you know my goal is pretty straightforward. I think it's important to have professional goals. I want to be the most influential thought leader in the history of business and I'm not okay. there yet. I'm close, but I'm not there yet.
2: I want I want you to think who you think you'd like to be compared to but but go ahead so yeah, anyway so you're doing
3: I want to be, so be Peter Drucker for a digital Peter. Age drucker for it. okay all right or,
2: or clay christensen or not or just clay's wonderful.
3: a wonderful man i admire clay more personally than professionally i think he was a very decent man i think peter drucker changed the way we looked at things and was just such a unique thinker i would like to you know i'd like to someday be like a peter drucker i not you know peter drucker light but who's your role model who are you trying to be
2: benjamin franklin
3: really no, Franklin?
2: Know. You know, I was thinking that the you other day. You should always
3: be able to answer questions <laughs> you ask.
2: I know, that's true. I don't know. I don't really... I, I I do have... I. You know what? Lucille Ball. You know what? A lot Broke of people. New ground. A lot of new people. Lucille Ball is great. Um, yep. You know, I would say probably... Oh, anyone who makes these grants—Elizabeth Eckford, who was the student, at Little Rock, who walked into that uh, school with such dignity. Uh, Rosa Parks is an, anyone who like that. I like this anyone. This isn't a commercial
3: says. for MSNBC. No, I'm
2: not. Say, I do just do. To I be? like their look. You want to be like,
3: Mika because you want to do Joe <laughs> no, in the morning. No, I do not. <laughs> Come on, let's salt it <laughs> away up Away from no. I'm sorry. No, sorry. I've been on that couldn't show. Resist. That's an
2: interesting show to be on. I have to tell yeah. you, it's just like. Just don't like get the in between them.
3: Jesus, there's so much sexual energy between those two. They're
2: is it's really slightly yeah, disturbing no, when you're on Actually, the set it's hot. you don't and the stuff that goes on between the like breaks is even better. It's, yeah. I wish I had I put I, next time. I'm going to put my video on and then I'm going to play it for you. But listen to me. Okay. Listen to me. So you're doing, no, I don't back know how we us. got off in a Listen, us. Back to you. Okay. I'm trying to like feature yeah. you, I'm trying to do something Thank nice you. for I our relationship. I appreciate that. So you did Thank no mercy, you. no malice. You were doing yeah. your little thing against the white background and yeah. given insights, thing. Yeah. deep insights. Yeah. So tell me about television. How do you look at it? Because you, you talk a lot about the changing nature of television a lot and you like, ad, I, I, ad supported.
3: I I think that uh, something that's a lot of fun in terms of personal discovery and in terms of impact, if you can get somebody to buy a Calphalon pot online and then on catalog and in a Williams-Sonoma store, they become a much more valuable consumer and the brand begins to resonate. And something Mm -hmm. that I enjoy personally and I think it's powerful is taking your intellectual property and your thought leadership and trying to express it across a series of different mediums. Yeah. I've done books, I've done talks. Uh, my newsletter has 150 subscribers. I'm boasting right now.
2: 150,000, I hope.
3: 150,000, yeah. <laughs> 150, 000, that wasn't nice.
2: impressive in any way.
3: Weakest flex ever. I know, um, yeah. And now I want to do, and I do podcasts mostly because of you. I, the first podcast I ever listened to was a podcast I did with you. And mm-hmm. I have learned a lot from you. It's been really rewarding. And I wanted to do television and we'll see if it works. but. I think it's really exciting to explore different mediums. I think television, ad-supported television, quite frankly, is not long for this world. Um, right. So I'm basically, I've been asked to come, you know, spray perfume at the beauty counter at Macy's right now. And oh. that's kind of what I'm doing. I don't think... Neiman Marcus, thanks to you. There'll be a market for ad-supported TV. It's just, it's its gonna die. It's not gonna die as quickly as people is, but we're blockbuster the yellow pages, whatever you want to call it. And I say we now that we're doing it. I would have rather have done non-ad-supported um, television, but these, I like these people. They're nice. I mm-hmm. like the Vice brand. Uh, mm-hmm. I think TV is going to high-low, where you're going to have big budget, $250 million Game of Thrones, House of Cards-like series, or mm-hmm. you're going to have, because of COVID-19, a recognition that raw talent doesn't require as much infrastructure or live studio audiences and a higher ROI. If you can produce a weekly television show on 50 to 100 grand versus half a million to a million, which is right. what sitcoms cost, there might be a marketplace for this kind of low, so it's like the beauty market. It's going to be Chanel, or it's going to be Revlon at the bottom, and I think the stuff in the middle just gets absolutely cleared out.
2: So you, you, you. This shifted the way you were going to do this. You were talking right. about this on the show. So you, originally, you that number you threw out—that's how much it costs to do an episode.
3: Yeah, yeah. So you can. So the original pitch and is you go to Peacock or you go to Comcast and you say, all right, we want six episodes at half a million bucks a piece. And they'll say, okay, we'll do one for a quarter of a million. And they give you a quarter of a million dollars and you're trying to turn chicken shit into chicken salad and convince them to order more. But what you can do now with this stay-at-home, where, quite frankly, the bar has been lowered because you can't have live studio audiences anymore.
2: Right. You were you can, planning on that? Was that what you were planning? Yeah, on?
3: initially initially oh, wow. it was gonna, we were going we to run Skirball Center and have almost like kind of that David Letterman feel with yeah. students. We were going to do a right. kind of a class meets live studio audience. This is at NYU. That's right. And okay. what I wanted to do was I see a big opportunity. I have this, and I'm excited about this notion of variance. And that is, I think this there's this kind of this notion of functional speed, and that is there's times to, I'm not a workaholic, but I think that when everybody else is not working, is an extraordinary opportunity to make ground relative or, or, or make progress relative to your competition. I think yeah, we're know. in one of those I moments. What I tell everyone is right now during COVID-19, make sure your family is fine, make sure you're healthy. And then work your ass off yep. because everybody else is on their hands. And what I said to Vice, and they agreed, I said, if we can get to our first episode midst kind of the lockdown, I'm interested yeah. because we will be playing on a field with very few players. On right. uh, Netflix, Smart. everybody else, they're shut down. There's nobody filming right now.
2: Yeah, there's just a piece in the times about Disney being shut down. But go ahead. Everything's
3: yeah. shut down. But I think there's enormous I mean, you're doing this. We're both yeah. we're both of us are doing, you know, God, I, I know you did three podcasts today. But there's, there's Jerry Rice, Hall of Famer, uh, wide receiver, had something called functional speed, and that is he knew when to accelerate and decelerate, which, so he got open a lot more. This is absolutely a time professionally to accelerate because the majority of people are operating at 10 to 60% of capacity right now. So mm-hmm. if you're blessed in a position with two turntables and a microphone or... I mean, I have in my guest house, my VP of production, Drew Burroughs, who's been a godsend, totally making turning a guest house into a studio. But I think this is a huge opportunity to make Mm -hmm. progress while everybody else is running running at a jog.
2: Agreed. I agree. You know that's what I do. I've signed yeah. 800 deals in this, in this COVID-19 <laughs> time. Um, more, there's more coming, by the way, FYI. Mm. Um, so you do this at home, then. You're doing this at home. Yeah, we're filming. explain how you're making this, because one of the things that you talk about, and I thought was super compelling on Pivot, was the idea yep. that maybe people are used to this lower quality of production. I didn't say it didn't look bad. You were on your white background, as yep. usual. You had your trim sweater that you wear. Yep. But, you know, Mark Benioff, that you, that he's on your first show. He was like, I don't Know, where and whatever wherever he was, you yeah. know what it didn't look fancy. It didn't look yeah. great, but yeah. it didn't look bad. It didn't look anything like the way a lot of the, these TV shows are are hopped up.
3: So fast as zero to a billion consumer companies in history were first, Old Navy, mm-hmm. and then second JetBlue, and what they offered was eighty percent of the category leader. So at that time, basically Old Navy was said, okay. The gap is too expensive for single moms. So if we can offer single moms who care a lot about what they and their kids look like, 80% of the gap for 50% of the price, boom, zero to a billion, faster than any retailer mm-hmm. in history. If JetBlue said, we can give you 80% of the best airline in America with better snacks, leather seats for 50 to 60% of the price, boom, fastest zero to a billion airline. I think what we're finding now is that if you can give people 80% of John Oliver or 80% of Colbert at 50, 30, 10% of the price, that's gonna be an outstanding value proposition because it doesn't have to be a hit. You know, it's return on investment. You need half as many advertisers at 50,000 an episode, than you do it 100,000, much less a 10th as many advertisers at half a million. You also have the opportunity, and this is the long tail of Netflix genius, that with a smaller audience, you can go more niche, you can go more specific, you can go much deeper on a topic and have Mm -hmm. much larger resonance. I mean, we have this issue at Pivot, right? We have a great audience of loyal fans. Do we wanna get bigger? Because going bigger means going more mass, which ultimately might reduce the kind of the verve and evangelism has No, that our we really do have some crazy us.
2: fans. It's cra- they Back love to us. us. <laughs> no, but they do. No, but they do. It's interesting to think about. It. I hadn't thought of it that way because you don't need that many fans. You just need the right fans. You need fans super and that's fans. Yeah, yeah. You need
3: super fans. Which so. is really
2: interesting around a podcast. Do you imagine you're going to create that relationship via TV or is there a difference between them? You just want to be in all of them because you're promiscuous because that's <laughs> the way you really are. That's a great... Play well, I'm story. hanging
3: up that condom I never used. But anyway, so... <laughs>
2: like,
3: (laughs) The mediums... That's gross. This is... (laughs) um, (laughs) I have five penises, my condom fits like a glove, Kara, it fits (laughs) like a glove. (laughs) Anyways, so, I don't know where um, was. Oh, was. There's nips, a reason why nips, I didn't bring you to the New
2: York Times. Yeah, I'd hang out with Yeah,
3: them. <laughs> like they would even have me in the building. Anyways, so, <laughs> even the post turns up their nose at me. You know okay. what?
2: They like you. They're oh, individuals we go. Here we go. like I'm you. Fine. They just will not have I'm you fine. in the building.
3: Yeah, I'm okay. fine. I like me. Whenever I'm driving my minivan, I repeat to myself, I like me, I like me. Anyway, Yeah. so... Look, and you experience this, too. It is really interesting. The medium is the message. So, yeah. if a guy high-fives me on his messenger bike and says, love you, Prof, I know he's seen a video. Right. If someone writes me a deep, meaningful message, I know they've read the book. And if somebody comes up and talks, like starts talking to you as if they know you and they're your mm-hmm. friend, yeah, it's because of the podcast. There's something yeah. about being in someone's ear ears and having what feels like a conversation where it creates a level of intimacy where they almost believe they know you, even though you don't yeah, say you don't do. really that know me. All the I time. mean. and then and then TV, I don't know. It'll be interesting to me to see the kind of response and relationship. You have with people vis-a-vis TV. Because t-
2: you've done television, you've been on all the different cable stations. Yeah, some but of I'm which like you. you. I'm funny. a drive-by.
3: I go on, and they're like, okay, they like me because I can try and say something controversial in three minutes or less before they go to a commercial selling opioid-induced constipation medication. <laughs> I mean, it's not really TV. <laughs> I, what we I can't do is not really they TV. believe don't have you on more often. Yeah, what ahead. a shocker! You were on CNBC <laughs> this morning. Who I banned was. me? They banned me. Seriously, they <laughs> well, banned me.
2: But you know me. what? There's and a new I, sheriff oh, in town at NBC, Andy Lack,
3: stepped I saw down. It. Oh, and by the way, this is, self-absorbed. Saw, this is how self-absorbed glamorous. the jungle cat is. They stopped inviting you for like two weeks, and you said to me, they're like, do you think it's because I know you? You seriously <laughs> thought that I had contaminated you from I'm CNBC. Back, I'm back, They're
2: back. You I, are like, I threatened back. to leave. You are That's
3: back. Why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm like, yeah, guy's I mean, hi, Jeff
2: Sucker, Nice to meet you. Andy Lack yes, is out, right? He is, and now Mark Kaufman. Who's head of M- M- uh, CNBC has to report to the new guy, Cesar Conte. He's quite glamorous. Cesar Conte.
3: He's very nice. Rich skin. Corinthian leather. <laughs> Cesar Conte. <laughs> That's a hate crime, isn't it? Well, listen, someday we might
2: want money from Cesar Conte, so uh, we right. love Cesar Conte.
3: C Square? Oh, he's a genius. C- I have C- no fucking idea who he is, but he's C- a, C- a genius.
2: He's, you know, Jeff Shell, the new head of CNBC, <laughs> has been making moves. Making moves, really? Jeff Shell has. Listen,
3: really? all right, okay. back you. Okay, sorry, <laughs> I'm trying okay. to keep it on Thanks. you. Thanks. Listen. Thanks. So,
2: do you imagine it being different? What are you trying to do with this show? We've, we've got three more minutes in this section. So, synopsize what you're what you're going to do.
3: You know, I want to bring together. Uh, I'm I'm exploring. I'm blessed. I get to explore mm-hmm. my creative self. I get to. I, I taught 4,500 students so far at NYU. I want to teach 45,000 online. And I want to influence uh, around business principles. And also I want to taxonomize business principles and how to live a more rewarding life to 45 million people. And I'm, I'm having a ton of fun talking about how business and instinct relates to personal satisfaction and kind of my algebra of happiness stuff. And I'm trying to be personally, Kara, and you do this and you're a role model for me around this. I'm trying to be unafraid. I don't want to mm-hmm. be mean. I don't want to be malicious. I don't want to be reckless, but I, I want to be... I want to be unafraid, and that is yes. think about stuff, think about what you think is the pursuit of truth, and then say it regardless of who it offends, as long as your heart is in the right place.
2: All right. So, you have sections like you're going to teach, like you're like the coolest professor at NYU or something? Yeah,
3: that's me. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I have this thing called the opening rant, then I have guest lecture, which is basically a guest. Today's first guest lecture was was uh, Mark Benioff. Then we have these things called drive by fruitings, like uh, Dennis Douthfire, you were our first drive by fruiting uh, today. And then we're doing an algebra of happiness moment, which is the soft gooey stuff that I'm trying to get more in touch with as I, get, as I get older. There's such an enormous white space for white heterosexual males to talk about their feelings. I find that none of us are capable of doing that. And so the moment, the moment you're that person and you say, oh, I miss my, my mom, yeah, people are like, I miss my mom too. I mean, mm-hmm. you start hearing from all these people. Right. Oh, so, anyways, it's it's basically it's 21 minutes of content such that you'll get nine minutes telling you if you buy a South Korean car, you'll be hot and playing a volleyball on the right. beach. You know the typical right. the typical axiom of value creation.
2: But right now, you're going to do it at, from your home, and then later, it's going to go live. It's going to be a live Yeah,
3: post-COVID, lives. if people show up and watch the thing, and I beat my nemesis, a non to datus. He's
2: there, too. I'm yeah, totally watching him, him tonight. Yeah, I know.
3: I know. <laughs> He's good. When is your
2: show on? When is it on?
3: Uh, Thursday at 10 p.m. Premieres, Wednesday? Ther- premieres Thursday at 10 p.m. at I don't know I literally have no idea even how to find my show Do you I don't either. Do you have
2: no. any idea how to watch it Online Christ? Online Seriously I, watch online. I <laughs> have no <laughs> idea So as supposedly I'll ask the kids.
3: Supposedly somewhere it's playing at 10 p.m. on Thursday Well they on had Thursday
2: thing night. on HBO because Plepler and did and Showtime a
3: deal. Right And Showtime No I, think. I don't know about Showtime. Showtime They had two
2: shows on HBO I They had know this. Uh, Vice News this week or whatever no, and then they had no. Vice News nightly and that didn't work so well I don't um, Yeah So Who knows where they are But you, you can get it online That's where you can get it on. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk to Scott more about the changing media environment, our, our feelings about uh, if you'd like to talk about Elon Musk, we can do that when we get Healthcare back. Healthcare and
3: education. we got Healthcare, to talk about that's that. That's what we're going to talk about. Okay. We're going to Thanks, talk about Sarah. serious
2: things as opposed to uh, pivot. We're here with Scott Galloway, whose new show on Vice TV is called No Mercy, No Malice with Professor Scott Galloway.
0: Searching for what to stream next? HBO Max is where all of HBO meets the greatest collection of movies, shows, and Max originals for everyone in the family. Discover something fresh to watch with new HBO series like Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams, or The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You can also jump into a new Max original like Selena Gomez's new cooking show, Selena and Chef, or The Flight Attendant, a dark new comedic thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco. Ridley Scott's even producing a new series called Raised by Wolves. Whether you want to rewatch classic favorites or finally get into that show your friends have recommended a thousand times, HBO Max has something for everyone. Start streaming today and find your next favorite. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial.
1: If you're an early adopter, you get that your devices and your connections need to be fast and help make your life better. But you might be forgetting one thing. Tech should be fair too. Fairness isn't a new idea, but it is to wireless. That's where US Cellular comes in. At US Cellular, people come first. And that means a fast, reliable connection with no hidden requirements and no activation fees. They'll even pay you back for unused data. When you upgrade to U.S. Cellular, you upgrade to FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com.
2: We're here with Scott Galloway, whose new show on Vice TV is called No Mercy, No Malice with Professor Scott Galloway. Uh, I obviously spent a lot of time with him twice a week doing Pivot uh, mm-hmm. for New York Magazine, which is our fancy new home. Yep. Uh, they seem to tolerate us better over there. They don't, they don't well, find you d- offensive, which is
3: nice. I didn't know that we were owned by Vox. Did you know? I mean, <laughs> yes, I we show up and there's some bearded millennial who's handsome and <laughs> presses record. I have no <laughs> idea the other parties involved, do you?
2: You hardly showed up. Let's just speak
3: for you. <laughs> I'm <wouldn't>. barely there. <laughs> You're Barely, barely but you do show
2: up twice a week. It's really nice. So, this show airs. Um, Talk a little bit about other things. We talk about a lot of things on Pivot, and we tend to do the topical stories of the week. What do you think we need to focus more on? I mean, health and education, obviously. These are two. We've been talking about COVID, we've been talking about, we've had a lot of great guests talking about health. Um, I just did a really good, uh, we had Gene Sperling on, his mm-hmm. book is called Economic uh, Dignity, mm-hmm. um, and it's about that. It's about the idea that tech workers mm-hmm. you know, are treated, so that there's two classes of tech workers, or, and, and as Anna talked about, rich corona, poor corona. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about those issues, and, and Nicole Hannah-Jones, who I just had on the podcast, just won a Pulitzer Prize for the 1619 Project, but she had talked about this issue of essential workers really being sacrificial workers, so let's talk about these
3: issues. Well, let's start. You said a lot there. So I, a lot of kids uh, come to my office hours and say, what industry should I go into? And I think that if you look at who's created the most value over the last 10 years, it's primarily Amazon in the, in the retail space and cloud space, you'd argue, and media space, and also Facebook and Google in the media space. And if you look at the, those two industries, Retail people didn't want to be tied to a mall or tied to a store, e-commerce better leverage, use that mm-hmm. that cheap capital to go into better businesses, AWS, and then what no one talks about, one of the five biggest media companies in the world and the fastest media growing media company over a billion, Amazon. They didn't media call you group. either.
2: Just a uh, question. Oh, yeah. That would be so good. Amaz- you on Amazon, Amazon Prime trashing Prime video? Amazon. Yeah, something
3: tells me that's not gonna happen. Anyways, break that ass up, but please invite <laughs> me to your to your uh, to be on Amazon oh, that Prime would Video. Be Anyways, pleasant. So, like, the most important thing about building value is 51% of it is the execution and skills and, and culture you bring to the given problem. The other 49% and then maybe 51% is how disruptible fat and lazy the incumbents are. And the fattest and laziest and most disruptible industry was media that had, had basically taken the Academy Awards, yes. cut the viewership by 70% and quintupled the price. So, obviously, that had become a not a great value. So, you want to find the industries that are, quote, unquote, the most disruptible. And if I were a young person coming out of grad school or undergrad and thought, all right, what do I want to get really good at? What do I want to understand the, the intersection between technology and making products better? It would be two industries. The first would be the largest consumer industry in the world right now, and that is U.S. healthcare. And then the second would be the most disruptable, and that's my business, that's education. So, I think you're about to see what I will call this great dispersion. And the great dispersion is that if you think about what's happened with COVID-19, it's likely that people have contracted, endured, and then resolved their experience with COVID-19, about 95 to 99% of them, without having ever entered a doctor's office or a hospital. So, remote health, the delivery of remote health via telehealth... Uh, uh, recurring revenue, diagnostic testing. It might be COVID-19 tests from Amazon within 48 minutes, which they are clearly setting up. And they'll be, in my opinion, the fastest growing healthcare company in the world by 2025. Or whether it's figuring out your son is considering going back to the university, but what we've seen now is that we're having a great dispersion in education and certification might not be delivered through a traditional constraint of a college campus, which has all kinds of ramifications. Mm-hmm. But if I were to identify two industries where I would want to either invest as a metric capitalist or invest my own finite human capital, it would be the intersection of technology and product development around what I believe are the two most disruptible industries in the world right now, and that's U.S. healthcare and education.
2: Education is something you go on a like a rant about quite mm-hmm. a bit about the luxury becoming a luxury brand and mm-hmm. being offended. This was pre-COVID where they you know you'll, you 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 constrain the supply and you know my kid was trying to get to school trying to get to NYU. Mm-hmm. You were talking about this issue very angrily about th- that they're doing it wrong. So talk about what you think is going to do, it because it really is. Now there's sort of, there was a story in the Times the other day about, like, now everyone gets off the wait list. Now they're in trouble. Now mm-hmm. people won't sign up. People don't want to pay for, on the idea of me paying for online school for my son is a, no is a non-starter. Yeah. It's not happening. I'd rather him, you know, cook for...
3: Yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's going to be the mother of all gap years. So let's See,
2: first talk with education because this is something you talked about It they treat it like a luxury brand and it shouldn't be. It should be a more democratic brand.
3: Well, look, we, we've lost the script. I had opportunities. I, I was thinking about teaching at FIT, which is this great, actually, SUNY public school. And instead, I went to NYU because of the prestige factor. And the prestige factor is largely a function of artificially constrained supply. And that is the dean... And head of admissions of every kind of wonderful college or great college stands up every year and says, this year we didn't reject 85% of our applicants, we rejected 83%. And when you think about that, that's tantamount to the head of a housing, a homeless shelter, bragging that they turned away nine in ten people last night. We are, <laughs> we are not luxury goods, we're supposed to be public servants. And when Stanford's applications triple over 30 years, but they don't increase their freshman seats they're no longer a public service, they're no longer a public good, they're a luxury brand and their endowments should be taxed as such. I think that Mm -hmm. as academics, we have starched out all the surplus social good by raising prices so fast that we continue to prey on the hopes and dreams of middle-class American families and have starched out all the excess margins, such that we could maintain the incompetence and reduced accountability known as academics and professors vis-a-vis tenure that translates to dead-on young people, the results in household formation later, more risk aversion around all right, starting so businesses.
2: what would Provost Galloway do? Oh, You're so. now the head... Sure. At NYU or Stanford or whatever. Pick pick a school.
3: Well if I'm one if I'm MIT, I partner with Google and rather than welcoming three thousand freshmen to campus, I'd say within ten years, I want to welcome thirty thousand. And we're gonna mm-hmm. take outstanding people and we're not just gonna take remarkable people, we're gonna do what the University of California was generous enough to do with me, and that is we're gonna take unremarkable kids that show some promise and we're gonna give them a remarkable future. That's a better test of our society, not finding the most remarkable kids. I mean, some wonderful things have happened at universities. If you're a remarkable kid in the inner city, Harvard will find you and you will find Harvard. Who's really gotten screwed here is just good kids from middle-class households. And 99% of us are not in the top 1%. So we need a Marshall Plan to dramatically expand freshman seats at land-grant universities and junior colleges. We need to start taxing endowments that don't reinvest in expanding their freshman seats faster than inflation. We need to abolish tenure. You can't legislate that. You need to do that for a class trader And And why is
2: that? Explain that to the people who do not live in academia like you do.
3: Because uh, I work with what I believe is one of the best faculties in the world, and a third of them should be put on an ice floe. They're making $300,000 <laughs> a year to show up to faculty <laughs> meetings and disagree with everything. Everybody else has to work for a living. Everybody else is held accountable. There's no reason that it's this bullshit notion of tenure, that it's Galileo, that we need to be protected. No, it's not. No one in the accounting department at Stern is saying anything that controversial. They do uh-huh. not. They they should be subject to the same supply and demand economics that the rest of America is forced to submit to, and that lack of accountability and no so you one's can't connected bring in fresh new there.
2: minds is what you're saying. Whether whatever age they are, we can't, can't fire them. Fresh. We
3: can't get rid of them. We can't reduce their salary. We can't hold them accountable. We can't ask them to teach more. So we invent we invent courses on ethics and leadership, which is Latin for a bullshit class that mm-hmm. no one's held accountable for. That we can't measure the outcomes on. And no one has connected the dots, or I think people are starting to connect the dots, that this incompetence through tenure results in debt on young people that is now greater than credit card debt and is an absolute moral burden. So there's a variety of things that need to happen. So you can
2: lower the cost of college by having more people.
3: 100%. We should, this is what's going to happen. COVID-19, if you no longer have geography as a means yeah. of creating these duopolies in every city, Stanford, Cal, USC, UCLA, and then a cartel where the 85% that don't get into UCLA or, UC, or USC go to Loyola or wherever, or Pepperdine and say, pay the exact same tuition, That is a cartel that preys on the middle class, and you have people who believe that the key to a better future is middle class. Okay, unfortunately, Johnny isn't a rock star. He's just good at what he does. He got into Pepperdine, so we're gonna mortgage the house and spend a quarter of a million dollars to send him to a second tier school. I don't know why. That is absolutely morally, bankrupt. And this is what's going to happen. If we can disperse the value, it's no longer tied to a campus. You could massively increase enrollment, which is what the best schools will want to do because they'll be forced to lower their prices, but they won't want to give up their cushy jobs. So in order to get the same gross margin dollars, they will dramatically expand enrollments. And it is going to kick the living shit out of the tier two universities. MIT, who, Stanford, who, Hopkins who, who, are gonna be aren't fine. Why are they doing
2: it? They aren't doing none of them. I see you're moving in your Scott Galloway. Oh, it's already university.
3: happening. It's already be, happening. Because they're
2: doing the MOOCs and everything else. Yeah, but you're already
3: seeing company, you're already seeing students saying, I'm not going back to year, Drexel. Yes. I'm not yeah. going, they're gonna have to lower their costs. It's gonna happen across the board and it's gonna finally the disruption that we have been uh, due for is about to happen you're gonna see, I think you're gonna see 10 to 20% of kids who are supposed to enroll in the fall, just not enroll. Yeah, that's
2: what they were saying. So how
3: do you replace those revenues? You expand your enrollments, which will create Mm -hmm. huge pressure on the second tier schools when 20 or 30% more kids, as they should, get into great schools. Instead of just good or average so Is there schools.
2: any uh, value to the actual being there? I do think oh, there 100%. is some. There, there, the actual physically visiting. If they could visit part of it, the, that there is part of that freshman year. Although the concept of paying to go drinking is just not high on my list. Yeah, but, but I, it's, There is it's the more socialization. Than that. It's yeah. more than that, There's the socialization, the networking, the the etc. I mean,
3: I think of it. Like, I, I was too immature to get to UCLA. I was I was at UCLA at 17 and a lot of kids now are quite frankly being dumped at universities. A combination of helicopter parenting and social media has created a lot of kids that just aren't, especially boys who at 18 are still boys who are just not emotionally prepared for college. And a lot of school administrators have unwittingly become mental health counselors instead of educators. But look, I, yeah, I don't... A
2: friend of mine who runs a big college is a, is a provost, says exactly oh, that. Oh, it's she scary. Was, it's just she scary. She's like, the level of mental problems is so vast compared to what people realize. She, said she spends a lot of time on that.
3: But there's something tragic that's going to happen, yeah. and it's like all of big tech. Big tech is going to move into education and partner with the best universities. There will be massive value creation for tens of millions of people because they'll have access to very good education at dramatically lower prices. There will be massive wealth creation across a small number of institutions, MIT, Google, and an ecosystem of people who provide education services, whether it's Zoom education or other delivery services. But on the whole, like what big tech does with everything, it's going to dehumanize a lot of stuff. And that is we're going to socialize online, rather we're going to see a a party play out on Instagram, rather being at the party, which will quite frankly create a lot of depression. When I got to UCLA, I found out that I could push my limits harder than I ever thought to because I joined crew. I found out Mm -hmm. that there were ramifications to not doing things. I almost got kicked out of UCLA. I was on academic probation. I fell in love for you the do? first time. What did you I do? developed resilience. I got my mm-hmm. heart broken, and I realized I was okay. These, you know, the, all those things would have happened. I wonder if they would have happened in such yeah. a safe, joyous place. And I wonder. I worry that that safe, joyous place to fail is going to be reserved or become the island of rich people.
2: So, how do you do that with that? How do you have these bigger things? Some people are online, and some people aren't. Right? That's what you're well, talking.
3: Yeah, about. it's not only online though, but it's it's like everything else. It's reversing the script it, it, for some reason the voters and the politicians in the 50s and 60s in California decided through their generosity and vision that it was important to give unremarkable kids a remarkable education at a land grant university. And for some reason we've decided that's no longer a priority. And I don't know if it's because baby boom generation is more selfish. I don't know if it's we've decided that, okay, it's a meritocracy and unless you have the money to pay for it, it's your fault and your kids don't deserve to go to college unless they're remarkable. But it definitely seems as if we have deprioritized this incredible ability through public universities, whether it's the University of Texas mm-hmm. or Michigan or the University of California, to take unremarkable kids and give them a remarkable future. Well, it, what is interesting is tragedy. in tech,
2: the tech people that talk about that you don't need it. That's what's really interesting, just because Mark Zuckerberg didn't finish Harvard, but it, it's oh, sort that's of- that's so like, terrible. That's so dangerous. I really, I don't like to, I mean, I just am fascinated by it. Most of them went to Stanford, went to graduate school, went to Harvard Business School, and they're saying that. And I'm oh, always you, like... You don't
3: need it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> gonna go get my graduate degree at Harvard, but yeah. your son should not go. I always tell people, people come up to me, a lot of parents come up to me at conferences and say, my sons didn't get into a, a good school, I was thinking about driving out, and they're like, maybe he's Mark Zuckerberg. I'm like, assume your kid is not Mark Zuckerberg. College, <laughs> College is a really good plan B, let's assume, but we shouldn't be charging families a quarter of a million dollars to go to mediocre schools. We should be creating spaces at great schools. There's a lot of great schools. We are great at this. America makes the best weapons, the best software, the best media, and the best universities. So let's take our best hundred universities and quintuple the supply among those universities. They're really good at it. There'll be some fallout. There'll be fewer marginal uh, academics and administrators making a good, good living. That's okay. They need to find something else to do. But we need to massively increase the number of seats at good colleges. Where are we going to put them? Stop. Well, they're going to do what everyone gonna... else does. They're going to figure it out. That's the cruel truth of capitalism. Oh, you, you figured know, it out. I figured nice it out. What happens when I? Yeah. What happens when my Vice TV show gets canceled? I figure it out.
2: Well, I by that time will have a big one for us. Don't worry.
3: Just, yeah, that's just, what I'm just, counting on.
2: You better count <laughs> what, on it. Save I my ass again. I have a plan in Karen head. I have a noggin for business. Let me just you say, I know exactly how to do this. Yeah. I feel like there's a big TV show for us. Now listen to me. Now listen. <laughs> okay. healthcare, okay. healthcare. healthcare. Go with healthcare. Do another rant upon how we were talking initially about this, that Amazon would be the one. Oh, I wish yeah. Amazon would deliver me a friggin' test. They delivered me like a thing to hold Q-tips in, like in seconds. Like You're one why? of those
3: people. Okay. First off, anyone you talk to who's watched Fox News is convinced they had it. Literally right. every Republican you know is like, oh, I've had it. I've had it. <laughs> I'm you a superhuman I have another test with person. me right
2: here. People keep sending me Did these antibody test? tests. I'm taking all of them. They keep sending them to me. Yeah? And if they're all not FDA approved. So I'm sure I'm dying of some other disease. I get
3: all those home tests too, only because I'm on a podcast with you. I'm not sure what I stick in my nose or stick up my ass or if I put no, fecal don't matter don't or snot or earwax wax on it or blood. a prick on the
2: finger. It's an I got to have some test. fun. <laughs> gotta, Lots of I'm people like, <laughs> like me had a flu, like Steve Wozniak keeps writing me about it. He yeah. had it. Oh, there's the name
3: drop. The was writing no. you, huh? The was writing you.
2: It's a lot of people, I got thousands of people yeah, writing bad. me saying, so yeah. something yeah. was going on in the flu department in yeah. January early yeah, February. The flu. In San what Kansas. happens? No, I never get the flu. It was not the flu. I'm mm. telling you I get I've gotten the flu. Yeah. This was something weird. Nonetheless, it could have been a strain of novel coronavirus. I don't know, but no. it was something. In any case.
3: Okay, healthcare. 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 Everybody's yeah. focused on the costs. I mean, 45% of the revenues go to profits and administration. So obviously, there's an enormous opportunity. But what I think we're, I think we're focused on the wrong costs, and that is, a mother of a child struggling with diabetes spends between eight and twelve weeks of her year full time focusing on managing that child's diabetes. And I think between, I think what what COVID nineteen has trained consumers and technology and organizations to do is to rethink how we might deliver healthcare proactively and remotely and as a result i think if you can use an amazon show uh, crm from salesforce prescription from PillPack, pack uh, intelligent cameras connecting you with a radiologist who focuses on that type of whatever might be condition we might see an ability to get healthcare delivered and and save us more costs in terms of time i think the opportunity is to build a time machine i think the first trillionaire is gonna invent a time machine in healthcare, and that is they are gonna figure out a way to figure out dialysis, diabetes, chronic conditions and manage it in a quarter of the time remotely using some of the technologies that big tech has yeah. brought to brought to bear. I think that's the big I think that's the first trillionaire, if you will, is the guy that brings that together. Unfortunately that that person is probably Bezos. It's no accident they do the vaccination of a supply chain. Where he's starting, yeah. what is the largest new consumer product ever? It's probably it's probably COVID-19 testing. Right. And he's testing it on his own people. I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to say, do you want one every ever day? Spent. You'll be like, do you want one every day? I'll get it to your home every day at noon yeah. with Prime. Prime COVID-19 testing. I mean, you see right. where this shit's yep. going.
2: And you know you'd buy it. I'd buy it. Oh, I'd buy 100%. It and, say, you know, and then if there's climate change, you'll be like, everyone, I will get you a, like, you know, sacks of rice to put in front of your house or whatever the heck, sacks of flour or whatever sand. But
3: big tech has you know, flour, to go into both right. education and healthcare because if you think of... The amount of money these companies have to add to their top line, it limits them to like a dozen sectors. And you think, okay, what's an enormous sector? Well, automobiles. But automobiles is a shitty, difficult business. They can't go into that. Yeah, they've
2: been... Bezos is in space, but I think that's just for his personal
3: Yeah, that's my dick is bigger. That's his sword fighting with his dick with Musk. Anyway, so... Do I hear birds in the background there? Yes, you so Where are you? Yes. I'm in my home.
2: That's (laughs) a sound effect. One of my homes.
3: Anyway, so... There are very few industries these companies can actually go after. If Apple is going to double its market cap, it's got to increase its top line by 80 to $120 billion, which limits it to a handful of industries. There's government, which I do think these guys are starting to go into almost de facto. There's defense. That'll be really interesting when these companies go into defense, and they kind of already are. And then there's healthcare and education. And, you know, where do you go? There just aren't that many industries, Mm. so... Grocery. They're kind of already in grocery yeah, though. Yeah,
2: but food making.
3: Making the production, the supply chain production of food.
2: Yes. Well Walmart
3: is Walmart's already the largest producer of organic gigs in the world. They're already all yeah. vertical. I don't know.
2: You gotta think be- Bezos is looking at like the pork producers and going, I could do that.
3: The other white meat? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know but anyways I, I know. education and healthcare, I think that is gonna be the most exciting place to invest your financial and your human Delivering. capital. Well, look, I I believe, and we always talk about interesting acquisitions. I think one of the more interesting acquisitions would be the biggest acquisition that either Amazon or Walmart would make, and I don't think Walmart can afford to make it. The most important company right now in America, or the most competent company with one of the most impressive CEOs is Prologis and Hamid Mogadam, and that's the REIT that invested early and often in logistics and warehouses, they're essentially what everyone talks about amazon fulfillment they're kind of the guys in the background making it happen i think it's got about an 85 billion dollar market cap so really only amazon probably has the balance sheet to do it but that company right now is sort of what fedex and ups want to be or i could see fedex and ups merging with prologis but Mm yeah the the back-end logistics supply chain i bought a condo in Red Hook, right across the river in manhattan and they were going to turn it into some crazy innovation center with restaurants. And someone came in, I think it was Amazon came in or Prolo, just came in and just bought all of it and turned it into warehouses to be close such that they could get you an espresso pods and Tribeca within 48 48 minutes. But yeah, the the transition from the physical to the delivery is going to create enormous uh, opportunity. It's also a great time to be in operations. Operations is kind of the new black in business Mm -hmm. school again. They're having their moment, Kara, they're having their having moment. Having their moment.
2: So, why didn't they get into autos? But why don't they get into autos?
3: It's a low-margin, shitty business. It's actually well-run. There's not a lot of margin there. The media business was full of huge egos, award ceremonies, waste. Purposefully retarding um, innovation, such that uh, advertisers didn't know which half of their advertising was being wasted. Whereas the auto industry, every seven or eight years, would go through some massive cost cutting yeah. and, and starching. It's fair. It's a fairly well-run, low-margin industry. Although I would argue they've been slow to get their act together around emissions. But that is not. That is a difficult industry that takes everyone's margins down. Are. They want to yeah, be. Yeah. They want to yeah. be the operating system. They don't want to be in the business of bending steel.
2: All right. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about your show and some, I'm going to make you make predictions here. Mm. Some predictions. I want you to make something as good as you've been before. We'll be back soon with Scott Galloway. He has a new show on Vice TV called No Mercy, No Malice with Professor Scott Galloway. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back after this.
3: Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are always ready to help you personalize your insurance plan so you can create a policy that fits your needs. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. And you can always call one of the State Farm agents in neighborhoods across the country. Get a great rate without sacrificing great service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: We're here with Scott Galloway. Scott. Scott. I don't think we spend enough. I think we should vacation together. Oh, God, either. here we go. <laughs> are you in Florida? You're in Florida. I am right? in
3: Florida, yeah. Are you rich. ever
2: going back to New York? Talk about New York. I, seriously, like, what happens to big cities like like this after COVID-19? Because they are the center of media yeah. or news, you know, that kind of... What, what happens to, like, major metropolitan areas?
3: Uh, a lot of it is dependent upon... I mean, first off, we have to acknowledge some viruses we haven't found a vaccine for. It's still... Mm-hmm. We don't want to talk about it. There's a general assumption in our superpower as a species, or our superpower, I should say, as a culture. Our superpower as a species is cooperation, but our superpower as an American culture is our optimism. We're speaking as if as if it's a foregone conclusion we're going to come up with a vaccine. Yeah. And I hope that happens. And if that happens, we're New York with, largely, see, to lots of largely, I think, recovers. The reason New York is the greatest city in the world is a function of one thing and one thing only, and that's density. And that is you can bring together, I go to, Jack's Wife, Frida, or Cafe Select, and the key to that environment is its density, and that is your the buzz, the heat, the the kind of cultural sweat, if you will, being elbow to elbow. And that goes mm-hmm. away; that just doesn't exist in a, in a COVID world without a vaccine. So, will people pay that sort, those sorts of rents, costs, and will they pay 13% additional taxes to live in an area whose primary catalyst for value-add is density when density isn't allowed? Or could it become prices get cut in half and it becomes the playground of the young who, quite frankly, either are too stupid or don't have the same ramifications of contracting this virus? Right. But it could have enormous impact on New York. Some people are saying, well, 22% of the people there already have it. So, if they have herd immunity, does it become a draw where people actually move to it to feel right. safer? Finally can be there. But New York is, I mean, there's... I'm thinking of, uh, you know, because enough is never enough. I'm thinking of writing a book called Second Order. And what are the second order effects of all this? That
2: sounds kind of Nazi-ish.
3: Tomorrow belongs to me, Carol.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Second order? I feel like it's like a Nazi book about the next Nazis. All right, what it's
3: about? Um, No, all these second order effects. You can literally go through, all right, what happens to the restaurant industry? What happens? I mean, let's go.
2: Let's go through the second order, then. Uh, I I'm not it makes ready. Comfortable. I haven't, I haven't uh, thought about all right, it. All right, but I want you to go through predictions of industry. First, we Let's find go.
3: 14-year-olds and we give them all brown shirts. Now, listen to me. So listen inappropriate. Me. I'm, I'm going to stop you. So right inappropriate. I'm Jewish. For, I can make Nazi career. jokes. I'm no, Jewish. No, you cannot. I'm not? As Mark
2: Zuckerberg found out in his yeah, interview yeah, with me, as yeah, you recall. Yeah. He cannot make Nazi no, remarks.
3: No, no, he couldn't. do Other's maiden name he is Levine. Told. Jew cred. Jew cred. Listen, listen. No, it's not going to. It's not
2: going to protect you. Sorry. Go ahead. Listen to me. Going through the implications, mm-hmm. big megacities. This was a trend. Big right. megacities, still right. a trend.
3: Uh, no, no, because because it's been it's been at least arrested. Paul Romer, Nobel Prize winner, and a colleague, at NYU Stern, has been talking a long time about how powerful. The notion of a city was, and people take it as a foregone conclusion right now. But there was a, a, a there was a couple decades of dispersion from cities, and now two thirds of all economic growth was supposed to take place in twenty megacities, mm-hmm. and everyone was moving there. And companies, including Mastercard and Google, were no longer saying we're going to have corporate campuses in the middle of purchase. We're going to have them in in the city because that's where young right. people want to be. Now, has right. that been put on pause, or has that been arrested, or has that been reversed? I mean, I don't know about you. I, I mean, uh, I, I'll ask this question to you: How has your mentally, your relationship, and your future around distance and work? I'm rethinking the way I approach work. I used to commute I, to I, New York. I'm not sure I'm ever going to do that again. I'm not sure I'm going to start going back to New York once a week.
2: I have done this for years. I'm doing the same thing I've done. This yeah. is I've been the I'm the original social distancer. I have worked at home. Mm-hmm. I have stayed. I've done most of the things offline. I go in the office when I need to. Um, you know, I, I joke all you want of the New York Times, but I've never—I've been inside that building once, like once. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all like, "Come and meet us here." I'm like, "No."
3: Seventh tallest building in America. When I was on the board, I tried to get—I know—but they're like,
2: "Come meet us for lunch here." I'm like, "No, yeah. I, no, I have a nice lunch." Yeah. Like, so I have a—I have a very different relationship with offices, uh, you know, from a long time. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm going to do anything. I like cities. I like cities. I like cities. I don't—I like the country. I like visiting it, but I certainly wouldn't. I've lived there when I wrote one of my books. I lived way out in the country. I hated it. I liked it, it was pretty, but I hated it. You know what I mean? Like enough with the adorable, uh, you know. I like cities, so I'm gonna stay here. I like my kids being in cities and I just like them. And I know I just don't wanna live in the suburb. I wanna just, I really not like
3: that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's so many things going on. You're gonna see, you're gonna see, I think you're gonna see the same kind of high-low and that is it's worth it to be in the city. It's worth certain risks, it's worth certain costs. They'll, the best technology, the herd immunity will happen first in, in dense cities, and it'll be worth a certain amount of expense and risk. It always has been. There was always been, you know, there typically was more crime in cities, but we endured it <laughs> because it was mm-hmm. worth it. Mm-hmm. I think being out in the country, being somewhere beautiful, is going to maintain its attraction, maybe even more so. Being in a shitty suburb where you have to commute an hour on a virus infested yeah. train, that shit's going yeah. away. So yeah, Agreed. do I want to pay eleven or twelve percent taxes to be in Manhattan? Yeah, because it's worth it. Do I pay that? Do I pay that in Malibu or in West Hollywood? Yeah, because it's worth it. Do I pay it in Short Hills or Greenwich, Connecticut? No. So you're going to yeah. see there's going to be literally a fiscal crisis. And this might people be. people can
2: work from anywhere. This has shown right. people can work from anywhere. That's and right. you can really cut. Productivity is up, although I think it's probably not as. No, maybe it is. Maybe it is. I find myself very productive in this period, which is interesting. All right. Next thing, yep. because of online stuff, yep. but I'm used to it. Next thing, yep. uh, restaurants. I'm going to make you think about restaurants. I think restaurants will be back but fewer of them, cuz yeah. the business was already shitty to start with because of regulation, because of uh, because of delivery, cuz of online taking mm-hmm. 30% off caviar and stuff. Mm-hmm. They took what was going on in New York and they've made it global. You know, that you could get delivery anytime. You couldn't you didn't used to be able to do that easily as you can now.
3: Prices will go up. It'll be it'll be a smaller industry, but it'll be a better industry. And the problem with restaurants is it's similar to a nightclub or a movie in that it's, it really helps if you have rich parents. And that is a lot of rich people were putting mm-hmm. their siblings, their sons, their friends through the restaurant business because you just don't want to be in a passion business. It's like opening a winery. It's just impossible mm-hmm. to make money because rich people like Francis Ford Coppola or some douchebag who just took his company public has decided he's <laughs> going to have a winery a in Sonoma. And so when you flood the market with cheap human and financial capital, it's a shitty industry. And there's a lot of people that just grow up their whole life dreaming of owning a restaurant. And as a result, you have incredibly talented people willing to make no money and work 18 hours uh, a, a day to have a restaurant. When they're not there, when restaurants get dispersed and it's a bunch of ghost kitchens and pickup, I don't know if the same psychological income is gonna be there. And a lot of people are gonna decide they don't wanna be in the restaurant business. There'll be fewer restaurants, but their prices will go up and you're gonna see for the last 30 years, we've seen the ratio of spend to groceries relative to restaurants decline. And for the first time three years ago, more money was spent on restaurants than on groceries. That mm-hmm. has been quickly reversed. But yeah. the restaurant business will be a better industry for your son who's interested in it because if he's really passionate about cooking and not necessarily welcoming his friends to their new, the new hotspot, it's going to be a better industry. Prices will go up. It'll be a smaller industry, but it'll be a better industry for and, the And the impact
2: of these delivery services, sort of eating eating their lunch, taking the 30%. I don't know. That,
3: I get so many, you and I get so many emails about how rapacious these yes. delivery companies are. And my viewpoint is, what I don't understand is there's two sides to that transaction. Why are the restaurant, I've heard both sides. I've heard restaurants are actually getting paid by some very horny overcapitalized delivery companies. And then I saw someone forwarded me a receipt from a restaurant that had an accounting $1,100 in food delivered from this delivery company and ended up with 300 after taxes and fees. So what is, you know this space better than me. I don't really understand the relationship the ecosystem between these delivery guys and the restaurants. Do you have any I thoughts on what's going the on there? I think they've got the
2: upper hand. I think they've got the upper hand. These companies, these restaurants, can't do it by themselves, and customers are too not demanding it. Yeah, and customers are demanding it. They want a single point of contact, like a Caviar or a Grubhub, and so I think they've they've got them. There's no way they can unite. It's sort of like a local news, right? It's it's you know they just can't unite to in order to fight unless there was a single owner essentially, um, and that's not. What do you happen.
3: think of cloud kitchens like Travis's company?
2: Uh, well, he as usual knows, sees the trends before they mm-hmm. happen. I think they're really interesting. I think they're really interesting if the food is good. You know, there's been attempts by that group of investors, all his friends, you know, they did the original, what was the one that delivered meals? Ugh, I'm blanking. Munchery? Munchery, you remember that? Don't know that one. There was the one where they delivered delicious meals to your house, uh, you know, like restaurant meals, and they were, they had ghost kitchens, essentially. So I assume that's where you got the idea. It didn't work as a brand, mm-hmm. but then it, it does work as a white label service, I think. Um, so it's interesting. I think, you know, whatever you think of Travis Kalanick, he's not stupid.
3: No, smart so, guy. Uh,
2: okay, next thing is retail. Retail.
3: Well, imagine, okay, so again, COVID-19 being more of an accelerant than a change agent, You know, department stores were in the seventh inning of their life. Now they're in the bottom of the ninth, and they're about to get beaned in the face before they just call it out. I mean, it's just anything with an escalator, typically, is not going to survive in terms of Mm -hmm. retail. Some special, and then specialty retail apparel, and Taylor, Gap, these guys are just getting killed. Uh, J Crew filed for bankruptcy today. You'll see some specialty retail emerge from this stronger once there's fewer elephants and more foliage when the rain's returned. Sephora, Restoration Hardware... Warby Parker, they're going to become back bigger, better, I love and stronger. Warby Parker. Yeah, they do a great job. Just, they just do a great I job. I only
2: will buy from them now. They do a great job. They have yet to let me
3: down. The luxury guys, LBMH, probably comes back even stronger. I think Lululemon has an exceptional exceptional product, exceptional brand experience, vertical. They kind of own that we space. Louis Fisher will
2: only wear their shorts.
3: Really? Yeah. Good to know. He loves them. Uh, but Try them. They're quite comfortable. <laughs> Try Lu- I have Lululemon, or as I call I it. I swear to freaking God I call they're it the de- nice shorts. Athleisure? <laughs> no,
2: let me just tell you, their shorts are fantastic. No, they
3: do a great job. Their fabrics are incredible. And Calvin, the guy, the CEO, there's a really, really impressive guy. He's a Canadian in 22. Um, anyways, look, retail is just gonna get hammered. But what's crazy about this is that if Amazon and Walmart shareholders got together and said, how do we ensure our stock doubles? I said, well let's get the president to put massive stimulus unparalleled unprecedented stimulus out in the economy because more than any other any other organizations in the world we benefit from stimulus we capture more more mm-hmm. of consumers' wallets than any other companies in the world Especially is Amazon right and now. Walmart. And then, and then, oh, wait, that's not enough. We want our stock for sure to double. What do you do? Let's get the president to mandate the closure of 98% of our competition. I mean, the shareholders of Amazon and Walmart couldn't have dreamt this up in their wildest dreams. Right. And it's right. sort of, I just, I just, that is a very fair point. I just right. interviewed Josh Brown from Ritholtz Management on my podcast, Prof G. And I said, to him, why would anyone, just not cash out and just buy Amazon and Walmart stock? Are we entering an ecosystem, or even around investing, on a risk-adjusted bet? Look what's happened in real Real estate was supposed to be a safe investment. There's your cat. What's happened? <laughs> cat can you imagine if you're a REIT? What happens if you own office real estate oh. right now? Wow. What if you own, what if you own hotels?
2: No bueno, I Donald mean, Trump. Y- uh,
3: mm-hmm. There's uh, all of a sudden real estate, which was supposed to be this bulletproof investment, commercial real estate, low cap rates, People are wondering if anyone's even go there, and it's so bad. I have- I'll
2: go back to hotels. I love a hotel. Let me just say that is not a, a thing I will stop doing.
3: Oh, we're still going to travel, but does it come back to sixty or eighty? No, no, no,
2: not at all. Actually, I was ta- speaking of NBC. I was talking to someone there, and they're like, "We had this thing. We would show up, pay all this money at a hotel, go travel, the black cars, everything. Right. We're not going to do that now. We yeah. managed it in ten minutes on the phone. Like it was, it was really fascinating. It was." You know, I think that this is this is someone who loves that kind of thing and is sort of like I love hotels.
3: Point? It's kind of a hobby. I absolutely love I, it. But I he was like,
2: that, well, I'm I'm wasting the money of the corporation. I could pay myself more. Yeah. You know, why am I paying for hotels with everybody?" I think he was looking at his costs suddenly and was like, "Oh. Guess what? We don't need that." But you're right. Hotels, commercial real estate, what else?
3: Well, you we were at, we were talking about retail. So, it's not anything unusual. The strong strongest stronger the strong gets stronger. I think that the the ones that are probably undervalued is everyone has looped all malls into one basket. And mm-hmm. if you're a suburban mall, what you've done is you've added value through this alchemy of a food court and a Nordstrom's and, you know, a Chick-fil-A. And I think that that alchemy is being torn apart and those malls go away. But if you're a Simon or a Brookfield and you have malls in the nicest uh, areas in the nation. I think basically what you have there is incredible real estate. And I don't think, I think different things might be built on top of that real estate, but I think those companies reinvent themselves and they're probably pretty good buys right now because everyone groups all malls into one category. And what, think of a mall, not as a mall, but as real estate and how valuable is the underlying ground? Yeah,
2: there's some very interesting.
1: But really,
3: this is the bottom line. We've been talking about for 10 years, America has, I think, 24 square feet of retail space per Capita, and Germany has like eight, and the UK has three. I mean, we've just, mm-hmm. and we're about Overfields. to get normalized. There's gonna be a regression of the yeah. mean here, and it's just, yeah. COVID-19 is, is just the catalyst to, to, you know, if you will, to All right. start that. All right,
2: gonna finish up, you yep. get your choice. You get ladies' choice. Mm. You're gonna finish up on life post Trump or
3: Life post Facebook. Trump or Facebook. Yeah. Mm, which one do you life want? Life post Trump or well, Facebook. Well,
2: what if he, win- if he wins or if he loses?
3: Your prediction. Oh, look, I, I, I'm, I'm banking on the fact that he's gonna lo- lose. And you know, Kara, this guy, for me, like for a lot of us, it's personal. We always get, I, I don't know about you, I get a ton of emails saying, love your show, yeah, please stop bad. talking politics, stopping, you know, talk too business. Bad. But I feel like this guy is uh, the president, literally stands for everything. I am, i you know, stands against everything I am. I'm the son of a single mo- immigrant mother. We used family planning, so we weren't in poverty. We were on unemployment. My mom could have very been easily n- not allowed into this country. It, there's a lack of what I would call an appreciation for science and academia, which is the way I've been able to make my living. I call that uh, loosely. I think there's a total lack of appreciation for the comity of man. I think there is absolutely no cooperation, which is our superpower. So. I'm all in. I'm going to take some time off, and I'm going to. I don't believe the world is what it, what it is. I think there's real opportunity here, and I think the best thing we could do for the brand America right now is for Biden to take brand America. Is for 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 a to make sure the apex of the recovery is is much shallower, or the apex of the relapse is much shallower than it could be, because our brand has taken a huge hit here, and to ensure that uh, Biden wins 40 or 50 states, I think this needs to be. You know, we came up, I thought I came up with, or we came up with a good yeah. slogan. Instead of make you America get, great again, I think it should just be America again. And I'm mm-hmm. ready to go back. I, I think, uh, and people say, well, go back. That sounds regressive. I think this is, there's nothing wrong with America. that can't be fixed with what's right with America. We just need to bring mm-hmm. back what's right with America.
2: All right, that's a good one. And then finish up. You have one minute on Zuckerberg. He's okay. sort of somewhat irrelevant. There, I think there's gonna be some announcements coming up around uh, their, their uh, sounds, content Sounds like you know things. something. Uh, hush, hush, hush.
3: Are you going on the um, content board? Oh, don't sell no, out like are that. Are you kidding? For God's sake, are you don't crazy? do it. Don't would do it. They
2: never invite me, ever. Speaking in a of million. Order
3: 99.
2: I, there's going to be some journalists on it, but not Kara Swisher. All yeah. right. They never. Not even. I'm, the, my, I'm waiting for the invite in the mail.
3: What? Campbell um, Brown? <laughs> You're using. Yeah. Actually, I've heard she's no. a very nice lady and smart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Backpedaling. Sure.
2: Whatever. It doesn't matter. So so talk about their impact going forward, post-coronavirus. You know, you've been really super hard on them. Well, I look, like when you are, and I think it's fair. <laughs> but look, do I, I
3: don't... Uh, look at the board. Uh, the whole point of a li- liberal democracy is we, we decide that our slow thinking is worthwhile, and so we put in place institutions to slow us down. We don't have... A board of fiduciaries at Tesla has now committed blatant market manipulation twice, and that's bad. What's worse is having an organization that gets to decide the algorithms to influence the content and propaganda of half the world's population. That's incredibly dangerous. It does. They don't even have to be bad people. You just power corrupts. And when you give that sort of power to people, it ends in really bad places. And I think the CEO there has demonstrated what I'll call sociopathic tendencies. I think that he has very effectively deployed the gender, the personal loss, and the likability of his number two to create what is the most dangerous organization in the world. And I don't think the people, Still. Facebook, yeah. Oh, well, look. I mean, they don't have their they don't have their finger on the button, but they can they can help people figure out who they should elect to put the finger on the button and then not take any responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. So, I, look, I think that when you see an organization slowly but surely purging the board of anybody reasonable, of anyone thoughtful, and just putting their cronies on it. When you have an organization that is bigger and more successful than any religion, any economic construct, any nation, there are now 3 billion people who touch Facebook almost every day and anything they do, even if it's determined to be really damaging, they get a fine that's equivalent to 11 days of of top line income, we have lost the script. The key to tyranny, the key to tyranny or a key step to tyranny is when private power overruns the government and Facebook has effectively overrun The government. I think this is a dangerous organization. I think we need to break it up. And I trust that coming out of this uh, crisis that uh, a lot of senators who are making a lot of noise continue to hold on to the proud legacy of antitrust. And I think Facebook should be broken up immediately. I think it's an enormous threat to our society. All
2: right. I'm going to very quickly go through all the companies, break up or not, Amazon.
3: Oh, yeah, that's easy. Amazon, AWS, and Amazon Fulfillment. And by the way, as an Amazon shareholder... I get much wealthier. That is the best thing that could happen for Amazon shareholders. Okay. Google. Yeah, Google, Google, YouTube, and their cloud company. Three companies, boom. And then we stop coordinating around their search, and they stop radicalizing young men on YouTube because there's two of them, and one of them raises their hand and says, hey, P&G, invest with us. We're not radicalizing young men. Competition's the answer there.
2: Okay. Facebook.
3: Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. Easy squeezy, That's simple it. pimple. <laughs>
2: Don't you know it's Instagram by Facebook yeah, now? He's making yeah, it hard to do so. That's right. Microsoft.
3: I don't know enough about the company. I've never really understood All right, Microsoft. Didn't so need
2: anything. Apple. What does Apple? Apple's a top one. Apple is
3: hard to break up because the key to elegant antitrust is that you emerge with a series of companies that are worth more than the pre-existing companies. You want it How to do some regulations. Hundred percent. The problem with breaking up Apple is who gets domain over the most valuable asset, and that is the brand. So there isn't an elegant way to break them up. I think you just regulate the App Store. Re-
2: regulate the App Store. Yeah. All right. Netflix.
3: No, I don't small. think so not yet. I don't know how you'd break it up. Do you know how you'd break that up? I don't know how you would do Why that. Why would you? Yeah, I'm just saying there's no, I'm just put, I'm putting
2: another one that's out. That's not there. on my hit list. And then obviously Uber, Airbnb and Lyft are going to be having problems going forward. But what company are you most nervous about upcoming is there or one one that you're like that is one cool friggin' company?
3: Um, The companies that are gonna be the most kind of enter the fray of the kind of the executive washroom are um, Shopify and Roku. Mm -hmm. Shopify is kind of the first sort of existential threat to Amazon, sort of a partner, you get to keep your brand, you get to keep your data. That's a really interesting company, although I don't know, Canadians are too nice. So I don't know if they have the ability to go toe-to-toe with an Amazon, but that is an incredibly impressive company. They could make a, a staggering acquisition right now because the stock has, has got, just as skyrocketed. And then Roku, all these streaming video platforms that are just incredibly deep-pocketed, the one thing that a Netflix or a Disney lack is direct distribution, and Roku is mm-hmm. the market leader in streaming, um, in streaming content or hardware streaming content. And if their stock goes down, they'll get acquired. If their stock goes up, they might go buy a Viacom, they might go buy an AMC networks and start delivering their own content and be a viable player. So I think kind of the, the new kids on the block, I would bet are, are Shopify and, and Roku. In terms of who I'm nervous about, I don't, I don't really see anyone that I think, oh, that's, that's scary, if you well, will. Facebook. You're yeah. Still scared oh no. Fa- oh, Facebook. I think is like You're I said, scared the most of dangerous li- organization. Mark Zuckerberg. I'm yeah. scared of share. How about you? I'll put the same question. Who are you most nervous about?
2: Uh, Amazon. Hey, Amazon. And I also have a lot of not admiration, but yeah. Amazon. Well, they're the
3: best performing. They're the strongest. I think he
2: is the most. Uh, not just that. He's the smartest. He's he gets it. He's going to be in healthcare. He's going to be in defense. He's going to be in everything. So that's bad I for the economy
3: say, though, but Amazon's not gonna incite so genocide. Smart. If somebody, if the wrong no, players get a hold of no, Facebook, it can he go will very control bad places.
2: A lot of stuff. Yeah. He'll control food and commerce and I know they always say at Amazon we only control eight percent of the market, whatever, they're two percent of retail. They always do those bigger yeah. numbers, but in terms of they combine Midas like money with Great incredible execution. technical expertise, yeah, with amazing execution. With just a super innovative person at the helm and a group of people that are really so so smart, agree. And 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 as Tim Bray said today in his essay, he left Amazon toxic, ultimately. Yeah, that was a really damning
3: article. That was. Yeah, that was rough.
2: I think he really articulated the other side of the coin, but you can still admire—not admire. That's not the right word. You could still go, ah, God, they're good, right? So what's what's a sports team nobody likes that's really good? Give me the Patriots. Okay, them. The patriots. That's who they are. All right. Them. Yeah. Them. them the deflators. Yeah. They, except they don't cheat at Amazon. They don't need to. Well, they do. They might be cheating. So anyway, uh, that's who I I Facebook I think will go away. I think it'll go away. Hmm. I do. I'm not the I'm not I think nah.
3: You're not worried. No, I think the jungle no, cat not is innovated. not worried.
2: They're not innovating. The lion sleeps innovative. tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, wait, I'm on, I'm on Rico <laughs> D. I'm in your hood. Yes. I just want to say, I came on this show and, and you introduced me to podcasting, and it's been a, it's yeah. been a gift for me. It's been wonderful and nice. Well, and I would like to check. People. Don't mind. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Your checks have been getting bigger because of the dog. <laughs> let's be honest. Anyways, but this has been a gift for me. So, thank you very much. Good. I really good. All right. It. Well,
2: I think everybody should watch Scott's show uh, and not Anand. Uh, That's right. No mercy, no malice. Although Anand has such good hair. He does It's hard good not hair. to stare at it. Nice he did it. To, we had him on today. His hair was perfect he's only in the thir- pandemic. He's
3: only 38. I hate that guy. I legitimately hate him. His hair was him.
2: perfect in the pandemic. Who yeah. has perfect hair in the yeah. pandemic? But Anand Gergard does. Yeah. Anyway. No mercy. Your hair, your hair is just fine stuff. Thanks for that. No mercy. Just, just, you just rub it on. By the way, you should put a little makeup on the top of We're changing
3: the second. Room. The second season is going to be called No Mercy, No Malice. Okay, a little malice. Little, little malice. malice. Scotch, no Mercy, All Scotchian Malice. malice. I think that's
2: what I would call it.
3: Um, <laughs> all no malice. Mercy, No Malice. All Malice. With
2: Professor Scott Galloway. Yeah. It's on Vice TV right. on Thursdays at 10. If you can find Vice that's TV, right. you should watch it. If that's not, right. watch it online. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Eric Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at hey hey ESJ. Scott, where can people find you online?
3: Prof Galloway.
2: Right, Prof Galloway. If you like, th- and also you can find you on Vice and all kinds, you can find Pivot. You it's find impossible to
3: resist, to resist his <laughs> feudal, <futile>, Kara. Give <laughs> in to the Peter, dog.
2: The next Give Peter, drop the next That's right. 100% King on every more. carpet.
3: Those stains are a feature, not a bug.
2: A hundred percent more vulgarity. There you go. Anyway, if you like this episode, really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend. And make sure to check out our other podcasts, Pivot, Reset, Recode Media, and Land of the Giants. Just search them in your podcasting app of choice or tap a link in the show notes. Thanks also to your editor, Joel Robbie. Special thanks to Squadcast.fm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode again. And thank you for coming on, Scott. I really appreciate
3: Thank you, Kara. Seriously, thank you. Yeah, I am going to have you I mean, uh, on over
2: at the New York Times, but you're not no. at all coming into the I'll building. I'll
3: be at the post. <laughs> I'll be back here on Monday.
2: Tune in then.
1: HBO Max brings all of HBO to your fingertips, plus an epic list of new Max originals. Whether you're into animation, classic movies, or binge worthy series, HBO Max's suggested collections are curated by real humans, not robots so you find the right thing to watch every time. With thousands of options for you and the family to choose from, it's the streaming platform of your dreams. HBO Max, where HBO needs so much more. Start streaming now at hbomax.com.